If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by a friend of mine who's been in the game, been around town for years. I've I've known him since I, I started buying properties um, down here in South Louisiana. Jay Alexander, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no problem, man. It's a pre- pleasure to have me. I was grateful for the invite, so looking forward to it, man. Awesome. Jay, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? How'd you get into real estate investing? What'd you do before and what made you switch? Yeah, man. So uh, I've always been an entrepreneur, uh, you know, never really wanted to work at nine to five. Uh, I graduated from Southern University right here in Baton Rouge in marketing. And, uh, you know, my whole idea of going to college was never to do the nine to five, but I just wanted to sharpen my entrepreneurship skills, some things that I know you know, I would use uh, in my journey. But uh, during that time, uh, I ended up working for AT&T. I worked for AT&T for about 10 years, you know, as a sales manager. Um, but uh, rewind before that, um, you know, coming out of high school, going through college, I started a uh, entertainment company. And um, it was uh, an event promotion company, basically. And so we were bringing different acts in town, do different parties. Uh, we had a lot of NFL uh, draft parties for a lot of the guys that were coming, you know, from LSU that were being drafted. So uh, we were doing different things like that. And uh, my strategy was to make my money from that entertainment company and invest it in real estate. And my wife, uh, which was girlfriend at the time, she was always pushing real estate. Hey, let's do real estate. But I, I wanted to do my entertainment thing first. But uh, after struggling with, you know, trying to get myself right spiritually and then still do the entertainment scene and then newly married, it was just too much stuff going on. So, you know, I gave up uh, the entertainment company and I said, well, uh, this 120 percent I was putting forth every day into uh, the entertainment. Let me do the same with real estate. So that's basically how I got started. And that was back uh, in 2007. Man. 2007. Man, so you, you started right right before the crash. I did, I did. And the crash was happening all around us, but uh it was just starting to creep up with Baton Rouge. You know, a lot of times we're we're the last to feel a lot of these crashes. So uh, you know, I remember the first property I bought in Baker. I paid sixty thousand for it, little small house, and that same property I bought over and over again within the next year for thirty thousand, like half the price. So uh yeah. yeah. I, I, I've seen it happen. I, I've seen it right there. Sure did. I mean, that house is probably worth 150000 today. Yep, you're right. You're actually, uh, let's see. Yep, between 140 to $150,000. I, yeah. I still have that house. Bro, my, first house. Ha- my first house was in Baker, too. I mean, yeah. it was it was a decade later. I didn't, I didn't start buying houses until 2018, but I bought that house for $72,000. And I thought that thing was never going to go up in value in a million years. Three years later, I went to go refinance it. I I, I just assumed it was maybe worth like eighty. That thing yeah. came back one hundred forty thousand dollars. Oh yeah, like, man. <laughs> man! I tell you that appreciation in Baker it shocked me too because I got my start in Baker. Uh, 
I've done a bunch of properties in Baker, but Baker has a special place in my heart, man. I, I got my start over there, bought a bunch of properties in Baker. So what did you start? What did you, what was your strategy when you started? What's your strategy now? Uh, you do yeah. you wholesale some, you flip some, you have some rentals, are you just right. like all, doing everything or what would you start doing and how did that evolve? Yeah. So uh, that first property that I bought, um, we were looking to flip it, but it didn't work out. It didn't sell when it was supposed to sell. So we ended up making it a rental. I still have it as a rental to this day, but so, um, you know, when I first started, we were uh, doing buying holes. We were doing fixing flips. Then we got into new construction. Then we got into uh, short-term rental. So maybe right before the pandemic, I think it may have been 18, 19. You know, I was just looking at everything we were doing. We were doing all these different strategies. And I said, I really need to pick one thing that I can scale up, get laser focus on, and just be a beast at it. I mean, we were doing okay with everything, but I just wasn't like 120% confident, like we're killing it. So I said, I need to pick one thing I can scale. And uh, I picked wholesaling, man, because it was more of a scalable business and I didn't have to be in one specific location. And I picked that, I would say going into, yeah, 18, going into 19. And so that's been my primary business model since. However, we do still flip. You know, we do still do a lot of different things, but not as much. We do more of a um, little bit more picky when we come to that. Our main focus right now is wholesaling. So that, that's kind of what my business model is right now. But we still do have long-term and short-term uh, rentals as well. So where do you, where do you, do you wholesale all over? Like, are you nationwide? Or what's your business model there? Yeah, so let's see. As far as deals with clothes, so we're in the entire state of Louisiana. So we've done deals in my primary base is Baton Rouge and New Orleans, but we've sold properties in Shreveport, Jackson, Mississippi, Columbus, Georgia, uh, Peoria, Illinois, uh, some place outside of Tampa, Florida, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, a uh, little town outside of Mobile, Alabama. So, and so uh, yeah. So how how are you reaching all these? What's your weapon of choice? How you market? That's a good that's a good question too, man. So texting right now we're doing texting, cold calling, and online marketing. So that's what we're doing right now. So we'll pick some of these cities where we have uh, some connections, uh, either some boots on the ground, or we may be working with a hedge fund. Uh, so different things like that. So that's our primary uh, marketing channel right now. Those texting things. and cold calling and, and online. Yeah. So what, what do you do online? Like so man, yeah, I did a lot of PPC uh, 19 and 20 and summer 21. I hadn't done a lot of actual PPC this year, uh, but I got slaughtered early on. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, I got slaughtered in PPC. Dude, I lost so much money um, in PPC when I first got started, but I kind of got the hang of it now, but uh, but yeah, we don't do a whole lot of it as as much as we used to, but we still get deals. Uh, how does that model work? What do you mean you got slaughtered? How'd you lose money? So what I did is I hired a company, and I won't say the company's name, but they they really didn't know what they were doing, man. But it was a big company. A, a lot of people were supposedly using. So, you know, I had to pay them a fee on top of marketing dollars, advertisement dollars that I had to put aside as well. 
So uh, I was, you know, easily spending thousands a month and uh, really wasn't getting the good leads that I should have been getting. And they really weren't converting. I mean, we closed a couple of deals. But if you look at that ROI, you know, on it, the ROI just wasn't there. And it was just too much money being spent out. So I learned how to manage it and, and do it myself. And so that worked out a lot better because I didn't have to pay that management fee. So, yeah, but I, that, that's, that was the big thing there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of companies have that model where they they want to sell you a packaged, you know, deal. And and it's it's tempting because, I mean, we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. Right. Every every house I've ever bought came from uh, a wholesaler. Ninety percent of them came from wholesalers. A handful came from like MLS or my realtor brought me a flooded house or something like that. But um, we've tried direct to seller marketing and we have, I mean, I was, I was going over with my marketing guy yesterday. I mean, we've spent eight to 10 grand in the last two months and I hadn't even seen like a lead worth converting, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just, I mean, I'm still getting them from my wholesalers, you know what I mean? So the doors are still open, but as far as like my whole grandmaster plan to cut out the wholesalers and direct to sell, we're not there yet. I, I'm just curious you know, for guys like you who have like been consistently getting these deals and converting them for years, like what did you learn along the way? We like Sterling, you're wasting each other. Because our model, we, we've got we got cold callers. We just started. Mm-hmm. We got two cold callers. Okay. Um, we haven't done the text messaging thing for. I don't manage any of this process. I, I got mm-hmm. I, you know my marketing guy does it, and mm-hmm. and. But he does a good job managing everything. But we got two cold callers. We, 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 for whatever reason, he decided to skip the text message campaigns. Yeah. Um, we've sent a ton of mailers, and we've gotten a few. I've gone and seen nothing great, and um, and then we we're doing this this online thing where we basically like pay per lead. Mm-hmm. And so it, I thought I, I like the pay per lead model because then you're not like you're not paying unless you're getting a lead, but. Right. I want to say they've sent us one lead in the last two months. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I've done, I've done that too. I've done everything that you just called out. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, how long have you been doing it? Two months. All right. So it's normally it normally takes ninety days before you start to see any traction in any marketing campaign. You got to give it at least ninety days. Okay. Uh, that that's the first thing. Um. And then you can kind of see, you know, what's the quality of leads coming in versus what you're spending out to kind of see if it's worth to continue it. But most most people within the 30 to 60 days, they tap out. A lot, most people that get right where you are and, and they throw it in the towel. That most people, and that's um, and it is hard to keep going when you don't see it, man. It really is. Yeah. It's, uh, this is a this this is uh sales and marketing business, it's special, man. This it's not cut out for everybody, but what I would recommend to you is to keep going, but kind of look at those numbers to make sure you're not wasting too much money. Because that seems like a lot with you just starting out spending that much money. Uh, anybody that's starting out new trying to market, I wouldn't recommend they spend a whole lot of money, you know, early on. Kind of test it with just a thousand here, a thousand there for the first couple of months and then start to ramp it up once it's proven. Yeah. So what kind of deals do you typically like, like, like how, once you get a lead, so walk mm-hmm. me through the, walk me through the process, mm-hmm. like 
soup to nuts, like how you start versus like when you're ready to send it out to me. And mm-hmm. then like, what do you, what do you look for? What makes a deal for you? How do you run yeah. those numbers? Yeah. So let's see, we can just take texting for example. So I got a guy uh, that's on my team that does the texting for me. He's actually overseas. So he responds to texting and, and different things like that. When it looks like uh, someone is basically raising their hand and say, hey, I'm interested in selling. They push it over to my CRM. It pops up in my CRM, um, which I use Podio. It comes over to Podio. I have two lead managers. So we want to try to get to that as quick as it come in. They pick up the phone and call them and basically qualify them to make sure that they really do want to sell. You know, find out, you know, why they want to sell, you know, pretty much. But just a, a surface level call. And then they set up an appointment with our acquisition manager. So our salespeople, which are two, we have two salespeople. And they set up an appointment. Uh, let's say a good time is two o'clock, you know, tomorrow, or, you know, within the next hour or something. And then my salespeople, they call them and they kind of go through just an intro process, introducing ourselves, telling them who we are and what we do to just even see if they fit our business model. And then we let them know up front, uh, we have a couple of different exit strategies. Our goal is to, you know, make this a win-win for you guys. So some of these properties we do fix and flip, some we buy and hold, and some we do partner with other investors. So it just depends on how the numbers work, depends on what extra strategy we use. So we do let them know up front what's happening. And then we even ask them, you know, uh, depending on if they reached out to us or not, you know, we'll ask them, you know, what made them reach out to us versus listening on the market, you know, because we don't fit you know, everybody's, uh, I guess, mode, you know, for selling, you know, our typical sellers are, and then we'll kind of say some different things that our typical seller is. And we might say, hey, uh, does this sound like, you know, something you may be interested in? Or does this sound like uh, this fits what you're looking for? You know, that's just kind of like a, a brief overview off the top of my head of what we do. Uh, once that qualification starts and they say, well, yeah, you know, that does kind of fit me. I do want to close fast. I don't want to wait on a realtor. I don't want anybody to pick my property apart. And then they'll say, well, yeah, great. Well, this will be something that we can help you with. And they'll go through the process of questions, you know, motivation, uh, condition of the property, timeline, you know, when they want to sell. And then they get into pricing. Uh, a lot of times, uh, really what's happening in these next couple of months, that's what's happening now. We got to educate them on what's happening in the market. Because uh, sellers are always <laughs> four or five, six months behind what's happening in the market. So then we have to educate them on that. Long story short, um, we get the property under contract uh, with an agreement. We send it out, DocuSign, get it signed. Then it comes to our dispositions department, which uh, I'm kind of hands-on on the dispo part. And then we basically get it out to you guys. Now, as far as what a deal looks like, uh, I stopped really being strict on that because I used to uh, analyze a deal based on what I thought a deal was, what I would buy. I stopped doing that, man, because there's a lot of deals I've, I've sold that I I never thought people would buy, depending on the situation. But everybody has different needs. You know, some right. people don't need a big ROI like we may need it. You know, some people may be buying this property for tax purposes and for depreciation. So uh, the deal just got to, you know. It has to make sense, though. It can't be crazy, you know. So, but I do have a calculator that uh, I did for my salespeople um, where we put in like uh, repair costs and it say, says the repair, 
you know, the 70% and all of that kind of stuff, ARV and all of that. But we do use that, but you can't go off that all the time. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So how many deals do you think you do a month? So we are averaging, it's not a lot, man. I would say three to five deals. I need to look and see how many we've done for the year, maybe 40. Then we, I think we've done 40, some transactions, between 40 to 50 this year. So we average between three to five. It fluctuates. You know, some months we have seven to eight, you know, but it averages three to five a month. And what do those what do those deals typically look like like on the numbers? Like what's your purchase? What's typically like what's the ARV? What's the purchase mm-hmm. price? You know, what do they look like? That man, it's all over the place, man. We may have a deal, uh, you know, off Highland where uh, you know, we got the property on the contract at two hundred some thousand and we bumped it up a little bit and you know, we're selling it for two hundred and fifty thousand. Then in the next email, uh, we got a property in, in 70805 that we blasting out for 25000 So it's uh, it's all over the place. So it, we really don't have a typical deal. Then I may have another deal that's a land deal uh, in New Orleans uh, in the Lower Night Ward that we got out there for 15000 So it's all over the place. So there's no specific, you know, uh, I stopped that a long time ago, too, because there were certain areas that I wouldn't buy in. And so I wasn't marketing to that. But I stopped doing that, too. Once I just opened myself up, since I'm actually business model of a wholesaler and I opened it up, I was able to do more deals. Nice. Nice. So what is uh, what's your long term goal? Because, you know, um, I think the model uh, when I got into real estate investing, I, I did it backwards. Like, like it sounds like you kind of went the other direction too. So a lot of folks get in and they start wholesaling mm-hmm. and then, and then they kind of like migrate to, okay, well now I can start flipping some houses. Now I can start holding some rentals. And I think yeah. that probably has more to do with like their availability of resources, right? Like I had a high paying job when mm-hmm. I started wholesaling. So when I started, you know, investing in real estate, so I didn't like have to wholesale to like build up capital to buy rentals. Mm-hmm. So I started and I built this whole rental portfolio and then I started flipping houses mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? And, and I never, I still have yet to wholesale. Apparently I'm not very good at direct self marketing. So, <laughs> um, but like, you know, the idea is long-term wealth and that's why we right. buy and hold all the rentals and passive income, right? So you're not working all the time. That's why we have it. Now, after building up the rental portfolio, I can tell you that that's, that dream is kind of a dream about the whole passive income. And and you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of long-term wealth, but like it, it, with the rental income, I find it, it works two ways. It's either not passive or it's not income. You know, you, the, the my experience getting somebody else to try and take care of it, you know, they're not going to take care of your stuff as good as you. And then if you're taking care of it, well, you're back to working again. So it's, it's, is your intention to continue to scale the wholesale business and like fully staff it and remove yourself there to where that, that is your, your passive income engine that, that, that business is kicking off, kicking off money while you're not actually working in it. Or do you intend to pivot back to the long-term buy and hold strategy to kind of build your wealth that way? Yeah, so I would say both. Uh, I I learned the hard knock lesson too as far as with the rentals. Uh, I think at 2017, 2018, um, 
I think I had about 27 doors at the time. And I started liquidating a lot of a lot of these properties. Uh, I think I have half of that now. What I found out is, like you said, it's definitely not passive. And uh, all of it was leveraged. You know, I was I was doing bird before I even knew what it was. I mean, when I first found out about bird, I say, oh, that's what you guys call bird. I said, yeah, dude, yeah. I, I've been I've been burring that, you know, forever, man. I've been burring since 07. But anyway, uh, you know, I had that cash flow coming in and it was leveraged. And, uh, you know, I would rehab these properties pretty good before I rent them out. You know, I didn't just do the minimum to it, but it was always just stuff coming up with these properties, eating your cash flow up. So what I tell people, if you're buying these rentals, remember, it's a long term game. Do not depend yeah. on it. Don't p- depend on this cash flow if you leverage. Don't don't depend on that cash flow. Right. Uh, and a lot of people say the opposite. They you know they want you to depend on it. You can't do that, man. And so yeah. uh, you just can't. But and it takes people that's in the trenches that's really doing it. You know to tell you that, and you really find that out. But yeah, especially when you go into and what I found with Burnham, mm-hmm. what I what I found is is you're right. You you almost like I mean conceptually like on a on a spreadsheet you got cash flow, but like in reality you don't really have cash flow because all this shit eats it up. Right. But but with burn especially because typically when you burn or when I was burned, you know I would pull all the money out I could, and so I was like leveraged to the gills. So I had a higher note versus like going in and you know buying a house, putting a down payment down, and like locking in a low a low thirty year note. Like some of those properties cash flow, but um, but you know, my, my, my theory here and, and, you know, I hadn't been doing it as long as you, but hopefully it'll work out when I've been doing it as long as you is that the, the rents will continue to rise mm-hmm. and my, my long-term debt will all stay, stay the same. So that cash flow gap will continue to spread w- with, right. with time. You know yeah. what I mean? I agree. That's, that's a really good play. Um, uh, you know, what I'm doing going forward, uh, I just want to be the bank now, man. I'm tired of getting it out the mud. You know, I, I want to be the bank. So going forward, anything I buy going forward that's that's a rental property, I'm doing some type of lease purchase, owner financing. You know, I'm taking myself out the landlord seat. I just want to be the bank. I don't want, you know, even though I had a manager that was managing my properties, it still rolled, rolled downhill. I don't want to hear anything. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to, I just want to get the real mailbox money, you know? So right. uh, going forward, I'm a, I'm only going to be doing like lease options and on the finance type stuff where it's physically almost type, kind of like their property. They put in a the down payment. I'm not the landlord. Anything happens, they're responsible for it. So that's, the, that's my play going forward. As far as on the wholesale tip, you know, uh, I, I want to grow that wholesale business into, uh, you know, multiple seven-figure business, you know, uh, possibly bring in a COO uh, with the operations and everything. I got a couple of friends that, that's doing that now. And uh, and I want to get more into uh, lending, being a lender. Uh, I do do some transactional funding right now. I do some small uh, lending with personal friends that I know, or a lot of people that that want to burr. Uh, so we fund t- some deals. T- tell me about that funding. So, mm-hmm. like, is that your cash you're lending to people, or you borrow money at a lower rate and lending it out at a higher rate? So I have a partner, man. I have a couple partners, and uh, they're high net worth individual, high W two, you know, people. 
And uh, and that's what we're doing. We we all pooling together and uh, we funding deals for people that I know. Like somebody like you, Sterling, that I know has experience. You have a track record. And so, you know, they'll call and say, hey, Jay, I got this deal, man. Um, I need to buy cash, 80 grand. And uh, I'm going to go back and refinance with the bank, but I just need to be able to get it. And the only way I'm going to get it is if I can close quick. So, you know, that's a 30, 45 day in and out. We'll fund that deal, charge them some points up front, you know, a little interest. Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like? What does that look like for a guy like me? Or is that something we should take offline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let, yeah, yeah. So look, let's take that offline because it's going to fluctuate on experience. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so we, we've got, uh, we got a couple of loans out now, uh, but they all should be coming within the next couple of months. I'll, a lot of that cash should be back. But uh, yeah, so I want to get more into that too, man. Um, you know, like I said, I, I really want to be the bank now. Like it's, it's just yeah. such a better seat. I got the experience. I've been beat up a lot, a lot of trial and error, you know, and I just want to be the bank now, man. And even talk with you about some of this multifamily situation, you know, I hadn't dived into that yet either, but that's the position I'm going to, you know. Now, multifamilies, what I find or what what has been my experience is they do cash flow. They cash flow a lot better than the single family space just because there's so many economies of scale there, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, if, 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 like with my rental portfolio, my single families in Baton Rouge, like they all got different uh, faucet handles. They all got different flooring. They all got different, you know, parts. They're all spread out all over the place. So you got like, you know, I got to send somebody across town. They got to look at it. You know what I mean? They're on the clock the whole time. They got to look at it. Oh, it's this part. They got to drive to the you know what I mean? Drive back and forth to the hardware store six times. And it, they didn't spend half their day trying to replace this little, you know, oddball attachment on a hot water heater. That's different than every other one versus my apartment complexes. What we got is like every single thing in that entire facility is exactly the same. Every single unit is exactly the same. It's got the same knobs. It's got the same flooring. It's got the same hot water heater, same spec AC. You know what I mean? And we stockpile those parts and they're all in one location so there's Mm -hmm. just huge efficiencies right there you know what i mean versus versus the how we're doing the the single family space um so that 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 is that is what i've found to be predictable cash flow on those large multifamilies where you can really get efficient on yeah i like that yeah that's definitely something i definitely want to look into as well i I just uh i don't want to hop around yet until i kind of master what I'm doing now. So, you know, but yeah, I definitely want to get into that. Awesome. Well, let's hop over to our radio round real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Just let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. So we got three questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? A favorite book? So, of course, Rich Dad Poor Dad was was one of those foundation ones, but I just read a really good one uh, by Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule. And that was a good book. I enjoyed it, man. Uh, it, it was a really good book, and it, it it teaches you basically to get out of your head and take action. There's so many yeah. things that goes on in our head, and we talk ourselves out of different stuff, yeah. you know? And uh, just stop thinking about it and just take action. And uh, I enjoyed that book. That was a good one. Awesome. What's your favorite quote? Uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, man. I've been hearing that one a lot lately. Yeah. And and that's that's so true. It's that um 
it's that integrity that you carry in every interact and you know in every part of your life yeah right that's good stuff what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working you know when i'm not working it's just about uh family and spirituality man um you know serving jehovah and uh and my family spending time with my family my wife my daughter and uh extended family you know my sister and aunts and it's just about family and spirituality when when not and i love to travel too so once i uh can, can um step back a little more and, and get some operations going I, I really like to travel where are you headed oh where where am i where will i be headed once i be where will you be headed yeah man so uh i would say between florida California and New York, man. I, I like those three spots. Uh, and I love the Caribbean. I've been to a lot of places in the Caribbean and uh, I, I love I love the Caribbean. Man, I used to live in uh, Venezuela. We were right there next to the Caribbean. So we mm-hmm. used to go all the time. Uh, Aruba and uh, Los Roques Islands. So yeah, okay. definitely some places to check out. Yeah, it's well, nice out there. So the most important question, when are you going to send me my next deal? <laughs> hey, I got you, man. I got you. I, I still got that. I still have the uh, that garden district home. We, we're trying to trying to trying to do something with it, but I I got you. I, I, I'm gonna put something up for you. We we I I need to do. I need to buy sixty houses this year, and we okay. have established we have established that I can't find them on my own. So I'm gonna be leaning in hard on on you guys. I need your help. So. Definitely keep me top of mind with that. We'll do. We will do. Help. You don't touch New Orleans, do you? Man, I just I just locked up one in Metairie. I, I okay. flipped one. I flipped one in Metairie before, and uh, and I did really well on it. Mm-hmm. I, I the problem with New Orleans, I don't know the New Orleans market. Mm. I don't know. Like you know, you could have one block, you could have crack houses. A block over, you could have million dollar houses. I can't look at like I can't trust you know, uh, prop stream, you know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. it, it just, it groups in too much stuff. That's just not even relevant. That's and right. I can't, I can't just drive out there. You know, it's a, it's an hour, hour and a half, you know what I mean? Every time something comes up. So I, I avoid new Orleans, new Orleans, mm-hmm. but, um, like I said, I, I've, I, I've really enjoyed the one in Metairie. That mm-hmm. worked out well. So I'm going for another one in Metairie. I don't like to bust my guys that far because it's distracting because they're traveling all the time. Yeah. But um, but if I could get a handful more in the Metairie area, um, I've looked at I've looked at the North Shore. I've looked at a few deals over there because that that whole area is pretty much good. But mm. like, I've never locked anything up over there. But I'm certainly open to Metairie, and um, you know maybe if I get more educated in the, the New Orleans geography and the market. I'm just terrified I'm gonna buy. I'm terrified I'm gonna buy something without. I'm like, man, I'm not gonna drive out there. I'm just gonna buy it. Like I do that all the time in Baton Rouge. Yeah. And then I'm gonna get out there and be like, oh man, this is the most dangerous street in you know southern United States. What are you doing? You know. What I mean? <laughs> um, so. Wow. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, so Kenner and Metairie are more like Baton Rouge. You got right. you, know, you, you got the brick. A lot of the brick houses on slab out there. So it's it's different. So yeah, the Kenner and Metairie feels more like home. So I get it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you joining us today. How can our listeners uh, get in touch with you? Find out more about you. Get on that. Get on that wholesaler list. 
Yeah, they can reach out to me on Instagram, man. I'm trying to uh trying to up my game on social media. I see it's a must, so I gotta do that. So uh Pinnacle Homes LLC. That's uh P-I-N-N-A-C-L-E Homes with a S LLC 504. So that's where they can find me. Pinnacle Homes LLC 504. And it'll be J Alexander, J-A-E, and then Alexander on Instagram. They can reach out to me. Awesome, Jay. Well, I appreciate you, man. I really, really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to catching up with you. Hoping to see you at our meeting next week. Sounds good. I would definitely be there, man. And uh, we still we still got to get together on, on the lunch or something, man. Just let me know. Hey, man, let me know. Come come check out the new office and we'll grab do. lunch down the street. Sounds good. I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get that set up. I'll let you know. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.